Welcome back to the latest episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast with Andrew King and Zach McVeigh. Today, we're going to kind of take it back just a little bit, I guess. We're going to talk about our five most memorable sports moments so far that are in our, our lifetime, at least. So 22 years old, we've got a solid decade plus um, in our in our sports memory banks. And so me and Zach, we're going to dive into this today. Uh, what do you think about all this, Zach? Yeah, it, it was really fun for me to go back and kind of um, I, I really tried to focus on like doing all the obvious ones um, and didn't want to do too many that we'd already talked about on the pod. Like I didn't add the David Tyree catch because we already talked about that, but that could have easily been up there. But I just tried to tried to pick the ones that I had the most fun watching. Um, mostly was, was my criteria was what what did I have the most fun watching? And that's that's what I went with. OK, see, yeah, I definitely definitely got to go with that. But for me, like I. I kind of took a different approach, maybe just because I will we'll get into it as we go into the list. But kind of for me, the impact of some of these um, sports moments and almost just how they look now um, kind of factored in for me, um, because I think on some of these events, the legends of the game, the moment, et cetera, is only going to keep growing as the years go on. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really excited to dive into this. I don't know Zach's five. He doesn't know my five. So this will this will be fun for everybody. So uh, let's dive into it. Zach, what's your number five sports moment of your lifetime? Yeah, let's do it. And uh, it's interesting because you said you did one that had an impact. And really, I did I did them that only one of mine has an impact on now. The rest of them are just kind of just small moments that that were big in, in, the, in the, at the time. So for my number five, I went with uh, I kind of cheated, but I went with the the Warriors streak from 2016, how they opened up the season with a with a 24 game winning streak and just wrecked opponents every night and they just were a juggernaut I just that that was so fun and and Steph and and Katie and Clay were just at at the top of their game so that's my number five okay yeah and there was a lot of I guess hated hated hatred throughout those years from a lot of us but especially near the end and especially now after that Warriors dynasty is gone it's a lot easier to look back in and kind of revel and enjoy what they had because it was pretty frustrating there for a couple of years for a lot of NBA fans because they, they were running the league and there was, there was no other way about it. Right. But like that, that 24 game winning streak to start the season, they just won the championship. Um, they were all coming back and the 24 game winning streak, that was just peak basketball. Like, I don't know how, can you even play basketball better than what they were doing? It was Steph, Clay and KD, just going off every night, Draymond doing his thing. Um, just, I just, I just felt like that 24 game win streak, like non playoff basketball, that's the best basketball I've ever watched. And it, it, by the time they'd won 12 or 13 in a row, it was, you had, it was must see TV. Oh, I completely agree. Especially where we're almost, we're, we're in the age of the regular season doesn't really matter for LeBron teams, for Kawhi teams, for, for whoever it is, it's all about the playoffs now. And so I think that's a huge note um, because I don't think we've had more exciting regular season basketball since then um, in terms of a ma- one major storyline that absolutely just captivated everyone. Right. And that, that whole season, that was the season when they, they uh, set the record and went um, um, 73 and nine ended up losing. Um, I wonder if you'll have uh, the, the finals in your list, but Steph averaged 25, KD averaged 25 and clay averaged 22. And so they were all just pretty even there. Uh, they kind of learned how to, how to share the ball and how to play together in, in those first 24 games. So that's my number five. What do you got for your number five? So my number five is probably easily the biggest kind of, I guess, impact moment of my list, but it isn't really for the reason why 
what you might think. And my, my number five is Kobe Bryant scoring 60 points on 50 shots in his final game as a Los Angeles Laker. Um, obviously, everyone knows Kobe tragically passed away last year. But there, I don't think there's ever been a moment in my sports fan life where I've just sat down and just absolutely just, I, I don't know, just soaked in all the pure greatness that was the end of Kobe. And I've, we, we, we saw Dirk here in Dallas. We've seen so many other great players come and go. But just that last night, the fact that it was all about Kobe all night, he took 50 shots. Um, but the last stat of his career was an assist to Jordan Clarkson to win the game. Uh, and obviously everything we know about Kobe, the tragic loss of him and his daughter and so many others, that, that means a lot. But I've never had a guess, I, I guess just a red carpet exit from a sport like I saw with Kobe on that night. Um, and it was just one of the coolest moments to see. And I, I hope LeBron gets that moment one day. I hope KD gets that moment. All these guys. But that was the first time I've ever really seen anything like that. And so that for me, that's just an all timer that I, I don't think anyone will ever forget. And especially after um, what what sadly happened a couple of years after. Yeah, that's a really good one. And also it was it was uh, cool because he was still fighting to win the game. Like they won that game and it was a close game. It wasn't like he was just shooting and the and the jazz were letting him shoot. He was he was fighting and clawing to win. And and um, he was just showing out. And it was kind of cool. Um, I remember him saying, like, my kids my like his younger kid got to see what he used to be like and like that was important to him which was uh, another another cool thing that that he got to do with that 60 point game exactly and I think you just see Kobe versus the Jazz and I think that kind of summed up Kobe's career in a way where he was a one-man wrecking crew if he needed to be especially late in his career after um the glory days of him and Shaq but that that's what Kobe did he got it done and uh he got it done on on his last chance too and yeah that was that's one of the coolest moments for me um even though it might not have been this historical marker. But, yeah, just definitely one of the coolest moments. And like I said, I hope hope we get to see some current NBA legends get that get moments like that right. um, to round, round out their career as well. And uh, the, the famous story with, with Shaq saying, I bet you can't get 50. And then uh, he, he goes on to say that mf gets 60. So uh, yep. just, just a classic moment, iconic for sure. I, I like that. Oh, thing. yeah. Which – yeah, what's your number four? Okay, Zach? number four is another one that um, it, 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 I was going in between a couple, but I ended up going with this just because of how how I felt when it happened. And I'm going to go whenever um, really, really the Legion of Boom, that 2014 season was just crazy. Uh, the Seahawks were wrecking everybody. And I'm gonna the, the moment I picked from that season was when Richard Sherman tipped the pass away from Michael Crabtree uh, Malcolm Smith intercepts it, and then he goes on national TV and starts yelling at Aaron Andrews in the interview. That's what I'm going to go with. Never forget that moment. I will never forget that moment. And growing up, um, I don't know if you felt the same way as I did, because we, we were still pretty young back then. Um, and growing up a big UT football fan after what Michael Crabtree did to those guys, um, I was pulling for Richard Sherman a little bit. But, man, those were – I, and I might even just say that that's that Seahawks um, 49ers rivalry there for a couple years, mostly because of guys like Sherman and Crabtree was one of the best. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely yeah. a top moment. For and looking too. back on it, like Colin Kaepernick threw that pass. Um, I that that was the last time Kaepernick was in the playoffs. Just kind of interesting to see, like, what if what if he had completed that pass? Would he have stayed in the NFL? It would have been um, just interesting. It, that that whole dichotomy with with the 49ers and Seahawks and, and Kaepernick as a quarterback was really interesting. And then just the interview, uh, if, if those for, that don't remember, Sherman went to Aaron Andrews and said, 
I'm the best in, in the game. Don't test me. And uh, don't talk about me behind my back. And Andrews somehow got a question off. It was like, who was talking about you? It was like, Crabtree. Crabtree was talking about me. Like, don't you dare talk about the best. And just uh, it, it was it was crazy. And, and that defense was had some swagger. And then they went and just destroyed the Broncos in the Super Bowl the next, the next uh, game, which kind of just proved the point of what Richard was saying. So because they won the Super Bowl the next week and, and destroyed the, the number one offense maybe of all time, um, in that Super Bowl, and the defense just kept showing out. I'm picking that moment. Um, Richard Sherman's tip pass, and then the end in the interview. Yeah, from top to bottom, that defense. Um, I guess the almost like the modern day '85 Bears, if there had to be one. Um, but yeah, the the poise and just the poise from Aaron Andrews in that moment. I couldn't great, have done it. I great reporting yeah. skills. That's why. That's why she's the best. Yep. And so for my number four. You kind of hit on it with your number five. I have the 3-1 finals comeback from LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, but n- highlighting especially the chase down block from LeBron um, in game seven on Andre Iguodala. That was LeBron's moment. You know, that sealed essentially, if not sealed, it led to the him bringing the title back to Cleveland. All the evil villainry that people had used against LeBron for going to Miami, leaving Cleveland, whatever, was wiped away. And to me, that was the moment when LeBron, the next part of his career kind of started. Um, obviously, he, 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 he's in L.A. now. He ended up leaving Cleveland. But when he brought that title to Cleveland, that's when people, everyone could love LeBron again, you know, unless you were just a hater. Um, and that chase down block. The most iconic, I think, play in sports is if you can get an epic chase down block. Um, and it summed up LeBron's career. And that, that moment is what people are going to remember when guys like LeBron go in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's my number four. And also, can't, can't discount the 3-1 finals comeback. Never happened before that. And something, who knows when we'll see that ever yeah, again. Yeah, for sure. And also just the, how they came back 3-1 and the team they came back against, which is the team I, I highlighted in my number five. Maybe the greatest regular season team of all time. Um, and to, to come back 3-1 whenever uh, nobody – I definitely didn't think he could. And like you said, look, a lot of people hated that Warriors team, and so LeBron kind of finally got to be the guy that people were rooting for um, against the – he was the underdog for the first time in his career probably since he was in Cleveland in Cleveland that first stint. And so him coming back, that chase down block, um, the famous call blocked by James. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love that pick. And I think if we were ranking this on most impressive sports feats in our lifetime, I think this probably would have to be number one for me because, like you mentioned, that they took down the Super Warriors team. Um, But in terms of just memorable, it's definitely up there. The chase down block was epic. Um, Not enough for number one for me, but that moment in that finals will continue. The legacy of that will continue to grow because who knows? uh, We could we could be sitting here as 80 year olds and we've never seen a 3-1 finals comeback since LeBron did it, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see, but definitely one of the more impressive feats we've ever. Yeah. And just an impressive feat three, one comeback, but also just the play itself. Like how many humans can make that play? I mean, he came from nowhere, exactly jumped, avoided the rim. He was about to hit his head on the rim, avoided the rim, blocked it. And that, that layup was going to put them up and yeah, just crazy athletic feet and crazy feet come back from three, one. So just a, just a ridiculous moment yeah. and something that we'll definitely never forget. What's your uh, what's your number three? So number three for me, get into some college basketball here. 
with the only time a number 16 seed has beaten a number one seed. UMBC takes down Villanova or Virginia. Um, shocking upset. They it wasn't a close game. They they dominated Virginia from start to finish. Really, um, they lost in the next round, but still, just the fact a number one seed lost to a number sixteen seed. Um, and some other notes on that. If you don't, if you remember correctly, Zach, we watched the conference championship game of UMBC and yes. Vermont that week before, and UMBC barely I, was it a buzzer beater to win if it wasn't it was something close umbc barely gets out it, of their conference it was a buzzer beater to win from to the top advance. of the key from their their small point guard and i had i turned that game on as a joke and my roommates were making fun of me and i was like no nah, like i love umbc and uh we watched we watched that game against vermont like you said and uh good thing we did because we had we had the background information that we needed for uh for the for the crazy 16 one seed upset Exactly. And so you've got that, which makes their dominating win over one of the best teams in the country even more crazy. But to me, the, the fact that Virginia lost that game, the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed following year, Virginia comes back and wins the national championship with a majority of the same group of guys that lost yeah. that 16 seed the year before. And so all around just incredible stuff. Um, and to me, that that comeback from that to win a national championship the next year is pretty freaking impressive. But got to tip your cap to UMBC. Who knows if we'll ever see a, a number 16 seed take down. Yeah, I never thought it was going to happen in the first place. But just to be clear, is your pick UMBC or is your pick Virginia coming back from it? UM, okay. It's definitely UMBC, <laughs> but but the Virginia note it just, it just right. adds to it. That's like the pretty. That's like the ice. Also ice shows ice how ice good ice. that Virginia team really was. That UMBC took them down exactly. the next year, like you said, they won the championship. And uh, I remember I was watching that game. I watched the first half, and UMBC was up, but that's happened before. Sixteen seeds get up on the one seeds in the beginning, and then the one seeds kind of come back. And so I left. I left my house, and uh, I think you might have texted me. I was in the car with some friends and you I think you texted me and you're like are you seeing what's happening I was like no and so I turned it back on with like eight minutes left on my phone and I just my friends like went into another friend's house and I just sat in the car on my phone watching UMBC not give up the lead and until two minutes left I always just assumed Virginia would make their run and come back because Virginia was the number one overall seed in that tournament also wow yeah and I it's crazy because that's the this that, that's kind of the feeling of most upsets in in March Madness in the in the tournament where you just assume the better team is going to come back and then a couple minutes are left on the clock and you're like oh my goodness and that's that UMBC game was the pinnacle of, of that moment because I think just just about everyone across the country was expecting Virginia to come back and win that game um but yeah wow look at look at Zach there I, I was about to shame you Zach yep. but look at you um you're committed to to, to the March Madness glory always, like we all should always. be what, what's number your number three? three also, though? I like that so far we haven't had the same. Um, like like me and Andrew said, yeah. we didn't discuss these before, so I'm glad that we haven't had the same. It's been it's been more fun that way. But number three, um, and I picked this before before the recent events happened, and I'm going with uh, Tiger winning the Masters in 2019, and he just got in that car wreck, which is which is tragic, and hopefully he he can uh, heal from it and, and maybe he can make her come back. Good thing he'll he'll be okay and. And and he, he should he should be be all right as he as he heals. But Tiger winning the Masters in 2019 um, is is my number three. He hadn't he hadn't won um, the Masters since 2005, and and he just uh, just two years before in December of 2017 he was 1,000 he was ranked 1,199th 
and in golf. And after he won the Masters, he went he went to six. And so just the comeback, I don't think anybody really really thought that Tiger could do it again. I, I don't think I did. Um, everybody kind of hoped uh, he could reclaim reclaim the glory, but but him winning the Masters and just <clears throat> doing it like he did. Um, in that Masters, there are 11 players who finished 10 under par or better. And uh, that could be argued that it's the most competitive Masters ever because that's uh, that's the second most times that there's been uh, double digits um, who's been under par. And so just just the way he did it, he had to come back. He was down two strokes going into Sunday and him winning the Masters, hugging his kid. I'm going with that for my number three. Yeah, that's a big time pick, regardless of obviously the recent events with Tiger. And I'll tell you this, Zach, I am I'm not a fan of golf. I don't really watch golf, but you get Tiger Woods or the only other time I've really been into golf was um, Jordan Spieth's run for a while. Um, I, I tuned in for that a little bit, but that a close tournament on Sunday, something like the Masters, if you if you start watching, you're not about yeah. to look away, dude. Um, and I, I remember with Tiger. That, that that oh yeah, that Sunday round of the Masters, like that was one of the probably I could probably count on my hands how many rounds of golf I've watched in my life, but that was one of the better moments in sports that I've seen because maybe because it was different, but obviously. Everyone wanted it to happen, but it was almost like the opposite of what we were just talking about. No one really expected it. You know, oh, Tyler's, Tiger's got a, a first great round, great, pretty good second round, and he's still there. And then getting it done as that comeback, like you explained, um, no one could have predicted it. No one could have predicted, especially after all he'd gone through. Um, and now it, are we going to see something again? You know, everyone knows Tiger's the guy you can't count out, partially because of what he did in 2019. Yeah, for sure. And, um, Again, just it kind of it kind of showed the where he, where he was different in life. Whenever he took off his hat and screamed and stuff, he, he's bawling a little bit, and then he celebrates with his with his son. His son runs up and and he celebrates with his, his mom, who's older, and just just the whole moment, um, just just pretty crazy. The crowds are chanting "Tiger, Tiger, Tiger," which was almost unthinkable after all the all the stuff that went down with him and and what he was in the news for and and all that. So, yeah, Tiger winning the Masters is is my number three pick. And honestly, it could could have been number two. I was, I was going back and forth. Yeah. All right. I'll give you my number two then. And mine was back in, oh, I don't have the year down. I'm pretty sure this was what, 20, the year 2018 from the 2017 season, or might've been the next year. It was, it was the Georgia Alabama national championship mm-hmm. game. Saban pulls, pulls Jalen Hurts. In, in, in comes Tua. Tua throws a game-winning touchdown pass to the skinny freshman Devontae Smith to win the national championship. And really just highlighting those three guys, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Devontae Smith is what makes this the number two moment for me. Because you're, Nick Saban enters, he, he, he throws in two true freshmen that win him the national championship game that turn out to be two of the best players in Alabama history. Devontae Smith, the first non-QB to win the Heisman in decades. You know, just to see what these guys turned out to be in that moment. And then you've still got Jalen Hurts, who is a starting quarterback in the NFL in his second year. And no one really, I think, was that confident in him actually making it in the NFL as, as a quarterback, especially after he left Alabama. And so for that moment, just the the impact, it looks like that 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 might have been the end of Bama's run. You know, Georgia was the up and, new up-and-comer in the SEC. And... Saban and company said, hold on, wait a minute. And then 
those two guys in Tagovailoa and Smith over the last few years have just absolutely run over the league. Um, and now they're as they enter the NFL, I think the legend of that game is only going to continue to grow. And that's why I have it. At yeah, that's a great pick. And just the <laughs> the courage that Saban had to, to bench his his the the guy that led them to the championship the year before in Jalen Hurts and put in put in that freshman at halftime. And the game itself was just awesome. It went into overtime and and like you said, him throwing it to to a skinny unknown freshman, Devontae Smith, who would have who would have foreseen what would have come later. Um but just to start his career with a game winning catch like that and then to be what he's become, like you said, just just wild, wild stuff. That's why we love sports. Well, and something that, that came out that offseason too that I, I still remember that was crazy was you've got two attack by low, a kid from Hawaii goes to Alabama. Talk about it, talk about a move. All his his family moved to Alabama with him and all that to kind of make the move easier for everybody. But there was some pretty serious talk, allegedly, um, from Tua Tagovailoa and his his camp that after that season he was probably he was probably leaving. He was he was he was upset. He hadn't been playing. He wanted to play. He knew he he, he thought he deserved a shot. And who knows if Saban does not put him in that game, does does Tagovailoa head west wow. and go to Oregon or USC like most expected him to out of college? And it's like I love the saying, if what what is it uh, if if, if it's too hot, get out the kitchen, something like that. And Nick Saban, just just the absolute, just, ah, I don't want to say, I, 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 I oh, man, yeah. he's just the man. The, the decisions, who knows? I highly doubt Nick Saban expected the run of Tua and those guys after that moment. But just to look back at it now, maybe yeah. he freaking did, man. Maybe he freaking did. You know, you never know with guys like that. And I don't think moments like that happen on accident um, with a guy like Saban who's run through college football year after year um but yeah just just the 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 legend of that moment continuing to, that that's i mean that's going to grow nick saban's legacy for the rest of his days um because especially in today's call it look, look at justin fields kirby smart waited too long and he let a heisman yeah. trophy finalist leave you know and so it's it's really game by game you never really know um and that that game that substitution had a whole lot of high stakes on the future of alabama football right and it paid off so and pretty, pretty he, awesome he put him in stuff. at halftime, and and really Tua came in right away, and and the the game shifted. You could kind of feel the energy shift, um, and the announcers kept saying how like Tua didn't doesn't look like a freshman. Tua this doesn't look like the moment's too big for him. And then once overtime hit, right before he threw that game winning touchdown, Tua took a horrible sack, and it was like second and twenty two. They're out of field goal range, and uh, I I remember like oh they're the freshman like finally made his freshman mistake like George is gonna win, and then before you could even blink the next play, the game was over and Alabama had won. So just, it was, it was so unexpected too, that, that it would come on that play because two had just taken that sack. So the unexpectedness of it, the the people, the athletes that were involved, I, I like that pick. I didn't even think about that one either. Yeah, no, that was, that's one of my just, cra- and I think probably on the top of my head because Devontae Smith, the draft, the Heisman, all that's fresh. But it's like it's crazy the the moments of that. And just seeing Jalen Hurts flourish too is I think something that makes that whole situation a lot of special yep. talent right there. Yep. All right. Number two. Right, who you got number two? The Zach? most fun I've ever had watching a basketball team. FGCU, Dunk City, 2012-2013 March Madness. The uh Florida Gulf Coast. Um, it was their first time ever getting into the into the March Madness tournament. They're a 15 seed and they beat Georgetown um, by 10 points. That game wasn't ever really that close either. 
they're the first 15 seed to be the two seed. Um, so they kind of maybe they set the stage for uh, your UMBC, your UMBC pick. But um, yeah, so I'm going FGCU. Just the way they played, they they lobbed it to each other. They're just running and gunning, and um, they beat Georgetown that first game. They had a 21 to two run, and then they beat San Diego State in the next game, and they had a 17 0 run. And so I think just how like they they dominated in those stretches of the games. That's what I remember. And they dominated by dunking and uh, just having fun and dancing. And they were they were just such a fun team. Oh yeah, they that was definitely that that has to be top of the list of the most fun college basketball team. Um, and to me, the, the the craziest thing about it, like you said, Dunk City, they weren't this huge team you know they weren't filled with seven footers these guys that are 610 but they were just throwing it down left and right over teams like georgetown who's who's the number two seed at the time um and just mind-blowing stuff uh for for a few weeks and i think what made that run special was that it wasn't just your one and done it wasn't just your big upset and then you lose you know they they kept it going and i know i know people wanted to see them keep going but yeah definitely a run yeah and they kept it going against san diego state in the same way like i said the 17-0 run and they were still dunking and alley-ooping and and it was it was almost like no way they can do it again and they came out and just did it again and um no players from that team made an nba roster but their coach was andy infield who's now the coach at usc which i didn't realize yeah i think he went to usc the following season and um They've they've he's honestly turned USC into a pretty pretty solid program. They're ranked right now, um, but yeah, so he's he's done well following. Um, but yeah, that that's an interesting stat that not one yeah. of them. Yeah, and you know, there I I didn't look, but I'm sure someone on Georgetown had to have made it, and and that's just the the beauty of March Madness. These teams come in and they just they're on a roll. They're hot. Uh, FGCU had won their their five games before that to get the automatic bid, and they came in and just basically dominated Georgetown and, and San Diego State, and uh. When they lost to Florida in the Sweet 16, they got down big um, early, and then they kind of fought back and ended up making it a pretty close game, and Florida, Florida pulled away. But even whenever they went out, they, they went out uh, with their heads held, heads held high. Yeah, you, they, nobody was dogging on them for a Sweet 16 loss, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, and then it's almost like we had the, the Loyola-Chicago run um, – just recently and now who's who's that next team because you know at least for me it's kind of like fgcu was that first team um that really just started shocking the world and in the big dance and so um yeah no awesome stuff all right zach are you i'm ready for your number one dude the greatest one there's no way we don't have the same one (laughs) the greatest moment i've ever witnessed man in my sports career, it the best. Be. We it have to have be. the same one. All right. Uh, I, I sure hope so. Okay, so I'm going with the kick six. The, the kick six oh, Bama, yeah. Auburn. Is that yours? Yes, let's go. Dude, this just the best moment. I was coming home from a road trip for, from St. Louis, sitting in the back of a crammed minivan under a blanket, just trying not to get car sick, just watching this game, man. It was number one Alabama versus number four Auburn. This was back before... Or was this the first no, year of the no, college no, football playoff? I can't remember this was before, if this was because this was playing Florida State this year. This was before. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so Bama's number one, Auburn's number four. Winner goes to the SEC championship game and likely the national championship game. Um, and pretty much so, Bama Bama's up t- Bama's up by a touchdown, and they miss a field goal with two thirty two to play. Auburn's down seven. 
Nick Marshall, if anyone remembers, um, pretty much a running back at quarterback for Gus Malzahn, but absolutely one of one of the I, m- m- more of a magician type quarterback than anything. Um, leads a touchdown drive. Auburn wait, ties the game. I, I gotta just add the touchdown left. drive. Do you remember the the play they scored on? It was just magical. It was a triple option uh, screen pass. So like he 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 faked it to the running back. He was going, and the linebacker came to get him, and he threw a screen pass to out to his left to the wide side of the field, and they scored on that play. And it was just a crazy play. Yeah, and so. That was a yeah, it was a 39-yard touchdown pass. And just to put this into perspective, for the the whole game, the, for the game as a whole, Nick Marshall only threw for 97 yards. So he almost used half of his passing yards the entire game against Alabama on one pass. Um, and to even wonder how Auburn was in this game at this point is is kind of crazy. But they did have they did almost rush for 300 yards. They had Nick Marshall and uh, Trey Mason, who were the really dynamic duo that year in the in the Tigers backfield and so you've got Auburn tying it up with 30 seconds left and then Bama gets in field goal range somewhat it's going to be an insanely long field goal Um, obviously comes up 57 yards comes up short as time's expiring um, and the rest is history you know and uh, Chris Davis 100 and 101 yards to the house absolutely crazy auburn goes on to beat missouri in the sec championship and then they fall to jimbo and Jameis in the national championship we were really close to getting saban versus jimbo uh, in the national championship but auburn earned that everyone knows auburn earned that and by far the most just jaw-dropping moment of my sports life yeah and, and also I don't just because alabama almost like they 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 already said that regulation was over they'd call it it was going into overtime um because uh, before Alabama kicked that field goal, the, the running back stepped out of bounds with one second left on the clock, um, but they hadn't ruled that originally. And so you kind of thought, oh, Alabama's going to get this chance. Lucky lucky Alabama always gets to do this. Like, here they are, but they're about to win it. And so, again, just so unpredictable. And then also the thing that makes it great was um, the the crowd just going absolutely insane. The the players didn't even know what to do. Um, and maybe one of the best best broadcast calls of all time. Uh, the the radio broadcaster for Auburn just gave a great call. The Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game, and they're just going they're going wild in the booth. They're going wild in the stadium. The players don't even know what to do. Alabama's in shock. Uh, everybody watching is in shock. Just just a just an awesome moment. Yeah, no, and I, I'm, I'm so happy. I was, I was a little worried that we wouldn't have the same one, but no, that, and that it's crazy. Yeah. That's the only one we had the same. So pretty good stuff. Yeah. Like so we said, we, we know that that has to be that. the best um, since we agreed. It has to be. Yeah, it's a consensus amount among every sports fan now that we we have agreed. And so it's locked, just locked just in. for me. My um, you were you were in the car in the van trying not to get sick. I was surrounded. I was at at a friend's house surrounded by his uh, family that all went to Alabama. And I was rooting. I was secretly rooting for Auburn, but I couldn't be too too loud about it, or else they would they would throw me in the pool. And so when that happened, literally his his uncle started started just almost in tears. He he his I've never seen anyone so sad after a game, um, which made it which made it kind of fun for me. But he he, he, went, he went ghost white when it happened, oh, yeah. and just you no, know, he just started running around. Everybody started running around. It was just wild stuff. And until I looked at the box score, I didn't realize this, but uh. Chris Davis, the guy who returned the kick, actually was tied for the lead in uh, tackles that game. So it wasn't he wasn't just a one trick pony uh, that game. No. Yeah, no, that's that's 
I, I I'm pretty sure he got drafted. I, I I can't say off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of stars obviously from that those teams, especially that Bama team. Um, but yeah, and and I love bringing it back. Just think about Nick Marshall. Like I don't think we've really seen a quarterback or an offense. That's one thing. Obviously, Gus Malzahn fired from Auburn at the end of this season. He's now at UCF. The offenses he put together at Auburn for a couple of those years were some of the best I've seen in terms of creativity and just getting the most out of your roster. Um, and, and that year, that team, you put up 34 points on, on Alabama and you don't even you throw for 97 yards. That, that doesn't seem possible, you know. And so um, that just speaks to really just him and his staff and just those guys, man, because they were the number four team in the country. Everyone knew they weren't going to throw the ball against Bama and they still got the job done. Um, because of all that creativity. Right, and not to mention the, the game against Georgia they'd had a couple weeks earlier. Uh, this Auburn team was was 3-9 and nine the year before. Nobody expected them to be that good. They made it all the way to the championship, the national championship, like you mentioned. But the game against Georgia, the miracle uh, the miracle catch that, uh, that they had against Georgia where they were down by uh, four, I believe, and they threw a long post pattern with like 20 seconds left. The defense tipped it. And he ran it in. And so all these moments just set them up to go to the national championship. And it was just so unlikely, everything that happened that, for them that season. Yeah, no. And that was, like you said, just a couple weeks before. And um, really just you, you look at Auburn's four-game run there. They had the miracle win versus Georgia. Two week, They had a bye week going into Bama. You have the miracle win versus Bama. They put up 60 just under 60 against Missouri in the SEC championship game, then they fall to Florida State. Um, had they completed that that run and beaten Florida State, we might be looking at that as one of the best four-game stretches in college football history with the teams they beat and how they beat them, um, just in terms of l- luck's always a little bit of For sure. you got to have some luck on your side, Zach. Um, and, and, and those guys definitely did. And so, yeah, definitely top sports moment for us. We'll see if that ever gets topped. I assume it probably will. we got a yeah. lot of time left, but um, – also, just to the, I'll the say fact that makes sure. it so much better is is it has such a good name. The kick six, like these moments, they got to have iconic names to to stay iconic and memorable. And the kick six, whoever came up with that, is just a a solid exactly. nickname for this moment. <laughs> for sure. All right, Zach, you got any? I don't have any nuggets. Do you have any nuggets for today? us? I've got a good one. Yeah, I was so I was just looking through my camera roll, like I had to screenshot something good, um, and so. We're, well, let's look at the years from 2004 to 2007. You got a four-year span. And in three of those four years, whoever the Oakland Raiders took in the first round in the NFL draft, the following pick no way. was a Hall of Famer or will likely be. So in 2004, they took Robert Gallery. The following pick was Larry Fitzgerald. In 2005, they took Fabian Washington. And the next pick, Aaron Rodgers. In 2006, they took Jamarcus Russell. And the next wow. pick was Calvin Johnson. So three straight years. Obviously, there's other teams in this. But the following pick to the Oakland Raiders was Larry Fitzgerald, Aaron Rodgers, and Calvin Johnson. But the Raiders ended up with Robert Gallery, Bobby and Washington, terrible and Marcus Russell. <laughs> Pretty – how is – Man, like that, that doesn't seem real. It just doesn't. But um, pretty crazy stuff. And one other note, I guess, going off of Aaron Rodgers, I didn't realize that um, him, Marshawn, and Deshaun Jackson all kind of played together at Cal. Him, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson and Aaron Rodgers didn't play together, um, but they were all three there pretty much yeah, the same year. Yeah, I, I uh, just realized it I the other day. I, I was so. a friend from California. He told me that. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. You think they yeah. would have been better? Yeah, and so hopefully – 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I know I'm pretty sure Cal got to a conference championship with Aaron Rodgers one of those years. So I don't think right. they were they weren't the Cal we know um, from today. But yeah, they weren't national championship, I don't think. Um, but yeah, so but that Raiders fact just blew my mind, especially seeing you just get one of those years right. And yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty all you're all right. You know, if, if they can snag one chance. of those guys. Um, but yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, um, that's, no, that, uh, anyone listening that, that has their moments that they want to hop on our Twitter and comment uh, a moment that maybe we've forgotten or me and Andrew are too young to remember, go, go comment to us on Twitter. Yes. Let us know what we missed. Let us know if you agree with our number one with the kick six. Um, but other than that, thank you, Zach, for joining me this morning. Thank you to everyone um, for listening, support. Um, like, like Zach said, comment your, your, your top plays of your lifetime. Um, and let us know. And thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast.